Hello and welcome to the Mac Gamecast episode 31. I'm John Carr as always and with me today is Mr. Casper. Hello. <laughs> I forgot to ask you how you're doing. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, nice. Thanks for making the time. Um, of course. Quick note on scheduling to listeners. Sorry, we've been erratic. I was sick for like two weeks and the guys were available. Then like I was more available. Then they were busy and yada yada. So <laughs> the old pendulum going around. Um, but uh, we're going to hop on. So today um, I really do want to review Edge Runners. But we could probably push that to seeing as it'll most likely be the bulk of the episode that could move later. And we can do yep. the other things first, like Resident Evil. And there's some other shout outs, uh, Mac related stuff, basically. Or adjacent. Um, seeing as you kindly posted our show notes. <laughs> um, right. Resident Evil exists. And even more so that it exists, the latest one is now out on Mac as of, what, seven to ten days ago? That sounds about right. Something like that, yeah. Um, it's pretty exciting stuff with uh, the AAA game out on the Mac App Store, exclusive to the Mac App Store. Um Obviously, Apple teased this back at, I think that was WWDC, and, or I'll say teased, they announced it, and now it's here. Um, yeah, worth noting for people listening, it doesn't say on the Mac App Store that it's the gold version, um, and there might be like small differences from it and the gold version on PC, but it is basically the gold version with a bunch of extra DLC and stuff in there. Um, so, yeah. And it apparently runs spectacularly on macOS, which is lovely to see that, you know, Apple promoting it as one of the titles to really show, hey, things run well on Apple Silicon and and Metal 3 is here and all that. It appears like, you know, the probable uh, influence Apple has had on the development has paid off and that it's a superb port. Um, I should note, I haven't tried it personally. I've just seen YouTube videos about it. I'm not really into horror games, so I've skipped this one. but it. You know, it runs on any Apple Silicon Mac, even the base M1, where it apparently on like decent settings um, does above 45 FPS, even in like the hardest areas of the game. And in less intensive sections, you know, you'll get solid 60 Um, at 1080p decent settings. I think it's like either medium or high. Um, So, you know, for a base M1 MacBook Air, that's that's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad to see. I just logged into the App Store, which I never do. Haha. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, there's. It's right there on the front page. It's not. You know, there's all kinds of other stuff. But then there's a nice box, Resident Evil. You click, and it has a whole write up about the game and tips and tricks and extra links and yada yada. So it's nice. It reminds me a bit of um, what Apple used to have on their website, like whatever, ten or twenty years ago, with the actual like game section and write ups and tips and tricks. They sort of. They do that for like their featured games, basically in the app store. That's more than ten years ago. Not quite twenty, but it is more than ten years ago. (laughs) A long time ago. Dang, I I miss that stuff. It is here in the app store. I just don't like the app store's layout, so it kind of annoys me. But what's cool to see um, the layouts here. It's number one selling in action right now. It is thirty nine ninety nine, which is great that gold version it gives you some dlc uh, unfortunately it doesn't give you i think what they call the winter update on the pc side which is uh, a third person mode and a couple other things so you don't get that it's first person game unless in case mm-hmm. you're like last time i saw resident evil is always third person what do you mean well the last few have been first person i think since the sixth one or something like that um sure. they've been doing it <clears throat> i haven't well i have played the game not on mac i tried the demo on windows um insert 
I'm now a PC heretic here. We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but the mouse control was really borked in the demo, so I didn't play long. Like, mm. it was so, like, even with my trackball, I had to scroll, like, a hundred times to even turn, like, an inch, Oof, basically. Right, yeah. Like, that's not even that much of an exaggeration. Like, my hand was hurting, so I gave up, and I quit the demo. Right. Um, but you know, the demo looked amazing, but what's cool about this is if you go to the app store and then you go to reviews, it's got a 4.3 out of five, 105 ratings. And yeah, you go to see all and it's just like a wave of this is great future of Mac gaming, unbelievably good, superb Mac release, unexpectedly fun. The only low star reviews I see are like crashes on launch or, you know, it errors on me or, um, you know, something about my controller doesn't work like sort of what I would call minor or um, inconsistent issues, mm. basically. Like, it's possible those issues are on the PC version as well. Like, I have no idea what issues right. that might have, but yeah. yeah. Without knowing exactly how, like, how the PC version behaves, it's hard to say if that's a port issue or if that's just a game issue. Right. I do see a couple warnings on the page, um, which clearly weren't there since launch. Uh, it says, warning, there have been instances of mouse and keyboard controls not responding on startup. If you encounter this issue, please restart your Mac. And I did see a couple of low-star reviews because of that. My inputs aren't working. Hmm. Again, I don't know if that's a ported bug that we have seen that in the past from stuff like Feral and whatever. Hmm. The bugs are just ported from the PC version. Uh, hmm. And it just said something about signing out of your Apple ID may cause problems with your save data. So, I mean, I guess I don't know who signed out of their Apple ID with any regularity. I mean, I never do. Um, but in any case, there's a warning on the page. Please try to refrain from signing out as much as possible until the issue mm-hmm. is resolved. So there's probably some people who have signed out, loaded the game, and like, where's my saves? Mm. They're probably gone or something. <laughs> and then theoretically, if you sign back in, they'll come back, hopefully. Yeah. <clears throat> Little apps for things. But it's nice to see it getting... Um, you know, a hundred reviews means way more people have bought it than that. Um, what's What's especially interesting there is: Are you on your uh, iMac or right now laptop? I have right, it up okay. on a box, so I appear. <laughs> right. So, so if you're if you're looking at the Mac App Store on your M1, Apple yeah. Silicon based laptop, you'll see you can buy it. Yeah. I'm looking at the App Store page on my Intel based iMac, and the buy button is grayed out. You cannot buy it on. Uh-huh. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. But if you're saying that that many people have reviewed it, that also indicates, which is also another topic we have on our list, how many people actually aren't like using Apple Silicon Macs already. Well, let's uh, hop right into that. You had some stats about that on some Steam surveys, maybe? Um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'll give credit to Andrew Sai, uh, who I also have the... Uh, gameplay performance of Resident Evil from. Um, nice. I, I saw this on his YouTube video, but the data itself is from the Steam hardware survey, that you know regular thing they do where they test what hardware people's running, uh, semi-anonymous, and just publish some general data on it. Um, and according to Steam's database, more than 50% of Macs running Steam, obviously they don't, you know, they don't know about Macs that aren't running Steam, but more right. than 50% of, of Macs running Steam are Apple Silicon now, which for, you know, computers that haven't been out since, what, November 2020? Is that when the first one came out? That's pretty impressive. 
That it either is. indicates a large increase in the Mac user base of people who are switching to Mac and buying Apple Silicon, uh, getting into the, their first Macs with Apple Silicon, or just a large number of Mac users who went, oh, shiny, <laughs> upgrade from Intel, or a combination <laughs> of both, of course, which is probably somewhere right. in, in the middle of that. Um, yeah. But that means that, you know, as a target for what developers can aim for, uh, Apple Silicon and, you know, the great baseline performance of even the MacBook Air, well, that's now a pretty big percentage of the Mac user base, exceeding 50%. Yeah, I was. Uh, I wanted to go look at the PC specs for Resident Evil Village mm-hmm. out of curiosity. Like, what's their... Oh, my goodness. I, I'm in a different browser. Okay. It gave me the age flag. <laughs> um, oh, I see. Yeah. Because I am very impressed by... Okay, min spec. Four gig card, basically. <laughs> a, a much older gen, like, you know, uh, NVIDIA GTX 1050 Ti or a Radeon 560. Um, mm-hmm. is the min spec. Eight gigs of RAM, Intel Cry 5. I mean, those are still pretty decent minimum specs. Um, I mean, if we think about it in, in old Mac terms, um, a 560 Radeon GPU, that's in the territory of a 15, 16-inch MacBook Pro. And this yeah. is running on a MacBook Air M1 at you know 1080p decent settings. So exactly. that's impressive. Pretty cool for a game released, um, what, early or middle, early middle 2021, May 7th, 2021. So we got it like a year and... I don't know, almost a half later. Um, but this is nice. You know, again, like you, I'm not into horror games. Maybe very light horror, like, mm. but not like this extreme, just constant horror. Yeah. Like some horror elements are fine. Um, mm-hmm. Like you could say, I mean, even technically games like Diablo have elements of horror in them, but they aren't like horror games, sure. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> if I'm like the superhero tearing through the monsters, like, new dooms or diablo or whatever that's fine if you're like you know the guy who's getting eaten by the monsters basically and fighting for your life i'm less inclined for that sort of horror um but it is really nice to see this much of a positive response not only to the part and the performance but the game itself and the silicon numbers boosting um and this is once again with the game being exclusive to the app store there's no exposure to steam and epic and whatever gog or anything else um i I guess I wonder, okay, Apple does get a cut if you sell it on the store, of course, but Apple's already, yeah, Apple's paid Capcom and whoever to port this to the Mac, Mm. but they would also sell way more copies if they had it on Steam or whatever, then they wouldn't get a cut. So I guess the incentive is to keep it the closed system so they actually like get some income back. For their efforts, I mean, we we also don't know the specifics of the deal they've made. The, it's usually for normally developed projects that Apple takes the thirty percent cut on App Store sales. It could be that their agreement with Capcom is that you know we'll pay you for the port and we'll just take all the profits, and then you know whatever we pay for the port is just what you get from it. You right, 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 or whatever. That's true. We don't know the specifics here. We don't, but that's very interesting. It could lead more weight to that idea of. I'm I'm trying to think, what's the incentive to keep it Mac App Store only? Like, you know, why not do like an Epic thing where it's exclusive to the Mac App Store for 6 to 12 months or something and then release it out into the wild, you know? Um, I mean, that that's also a possibility that like, could happen down the road and we just don't know about it, you know? 
again, we don't know the specifics of anything here. We don't. We don't. Other than we know um, Grid Legends is coming from Feral, getting the same treatment. Yeah. And No Man's Sky is also coming, um, well, I guess from the developers directly. Yeah. Um, who I forget who they are. <laughs> I knew at some point, but I forgot. Uh, um, like my brain yeah. just says Team Rocket, but that's Pokemon. <laughs> Hello Games. Hello Games. That's what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. I went and looked it up. I didn't actually remember. Yeah. Shout out to Ted, who I think on the last episode, it's been a month or more, um, mm. gave us a full rundown on No Man's Sky and his experiences. Can go check that out in the last episode. Yeah. I think yeah. episode 30. Um, Definitely. If you're interested. That, Once that's again, one that I'm, that the No Man's Sky is one that I'll probably pick up when it comes out because I'm more interested in that and I do want to try one of these Apple uh, promoted titles and, and try them out. And I think the No Man's Sky is probably the one I'll get and, and try out and see how what runs yeah. on my 16 inch yeah definitely of the three that one i'm the most interested in for sure mm-hmm. um we'll see also the price points presumably a little lower on launch maybe maybe it'll be like 30 instead of 40 or whatever i guess we'll see yeah. what grid legends is also i'm curious we have the three no man's sky i'm not really interested in any but if i i do want to try one also or throw up a youtube video or something so it would be no man's sky um mm-hmm. uh you had made a note about um Right. So it is Resident Evil Village is silicon only because we were chatting on the Discord. Maybe you could enable or disable some config to get it to run on an Intel Mac, like Ted was saying. Yeah, that, that, that's a strict no-go at this point. Um, it's possible that Apple or Capcom will release a universal binary later. I kind of doubt it based on the fact that it's Apple Silicon now. And usually if you go universal, you start from Intel and then release a universal binary. Um my speculations back then were mostly based on the fact that the APIs, if you're developing in a higher level language to support something that's, you know, universal versus just one or the other, it's not really that different. It's basically the same thing. So I was assuming it would be a universal binary and it might just be like a config saying only run on Apple Silicon to reduce support issues. So they knew, hey, if we're getting support tickets, we only really need to test on these machines. That's not the case. The actual application binary is made in such a way that it only contains instructions for Apple Silicon chips, not Intel chips. Right. No go. And additionally, you were saying uh, it runs on Monterey, but um, some settings in Ventura require it, which is now out. Yeah, so um, game will run on uh, Mac OS Monterey, but if you want uh, all of the graphics settings to be accessible, you will need to have uh, Mac OS Ventura installed on your system. Mm. This includes uh, the Metal FX uh, upscaler, which is a really neat technology. If you know uh, from PC world about uh, DLSS from NVIDIA or FSR from AMD or XCSS from Intel, these upscaling technologies that'll take, um, you know, often it's used on, on trying to render 4K images, but, you know, think of it as trying to render for a retina display, but having the GPU essentially only do half the work while still <laughs> producing almost as good an image. Um, so it reduces the workload that the GPU needs to perform while still maintaining high image quality. Um, and that's the goal of Metal Effects upscaling. Uh, there's not been a comprehensive comparison of the image quality against native uh, high-resolution rendering or these other technologies. But from what I've seen on YouTube videos where, you know, you're also looking at things like video compression and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it it does look really good. And it does look like 
we're at a point where you can run a game at your max native retina resolution with metal effects upscaling so the gpu is effectively rendering a lower resolution and then upscaling it um smoothly and looking effectively retina so that's pretty neat very interesting again that requires ventura to work right um i'd forgotten it was out honestly (laughs) (laughs) um i've been doing a lot of work on my laptop and not much else haven't been looking Mm -hmm. at updates or anything um so i made a note i'll download that on the weekend and uh i mean i'm not playing any particular games but i do i do want to update anyway um uh, i mean i'm not i am playing games just not on my laptop <laughs> right right yeah yeah um which is my segue into um you know my uh my resignation announcement you know i can't uh can't be the host of the mac game cast because i bought a pc tower you know kill the heretic yes kill the burn, <laughs> burn the witch um yes. It's funny, I I never, I wasn't sure because, you know, I've been gaming for so long, but always on Mac or boot camp, which, I mean, already boot gaming on boot camp, but like you still have the Mac, right? So it's different, even though it's in a sense the same, it's still different because um, mm. I have now actual literal PC hardware. Um, mm. I used, uh, I bought a pre-built one, but you already know that I'm just mentioning it for the listener's benefit. From mm. uh, from some guy in New Jersey, you know, not like a company, mm. just a single guy who does it as a business. That so was cool, but um, yeah, that's been that's been great. But um, yeah, I have been messing around um with settings to push the PC. So when you mentioned things like uh, the metal upscaling, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that because I have been using DLSS to muck mm. around and um, Cyberpunk mostly, but uh, mm. or Cyberpunk other Cyberpunk games like The Ascent. I'm just a cyberpunk fan. <laughs> and then I and I pushed it, uh, tested a bunch of stuff just randomly, like Dying Light 2, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Metro Exodus, the like reworked special RTX engine one, although honestly I can barely tell a difference. So I don't really know what all the fuss was there, but <clears throat> the game just looks amazing anyway. <laughs> um, I honestly only tried from the very beginning. Maybe it, like later you could tell more. From what I've seen, uh, it, it's a very situational effect where some areas will look basically identical in that game and some areas will look, I'm not going to say drastically different, but noticeably different. Right, right. Because the core game had RTX anyway. They just yeah. like rebuilt it from the ground up to like yeah. build the whole game engine on it or rendering or something. Um, great game, but I had no interest in replaying it. Um, yeah, but that's been fun. So I do really like the combination of having my laptop and an external monitor to work on. And now under this, my desk, I have the PC tower and I have it plugged in two different ways, like DisplayPort and HDMI. So mm. I just flip the laptop down and power it up and vice versa. Uh, mm. Works really well. Eventually, I will sell my iMac, but I'm in, currently in two different places. So I have my iMac in another place. So I'm still using it there and gaming sometimes on boot camp there um that's been a lot of fun but yeah uh really what inspired all this like um you know i hadn't been playing cyberpunk or anything um but i watched a show a little show called cyberpunk edge runners which has been pretty hot mm-hmm. for a while and i was like damn i really want to play cyberpunk i never finished it i played about 10 hours and this, i'll get back to it when there's more patches well, they finally added the transmog patch so you don't have to look like a cross-dressing hobo uh just have good armor you know, I mean, if you want to look like a that's fine, but like I wanted to be able to actually choose and have yeah. good armor. So now you can with that transmog patch, which 
was released alongside Edge Runners. Um, so <clears throat> I would I had been wanting to review that. Casper also saw it, I believe, with your girlfriend. I'm curious if she had any comments also. Um, but yeah, basically, if anyone doesn't know what it is, it's a show on Netflix, ten episodes. Um, you know, it's an anime show, aka like cartoon. Um, you know, the default's in Japanese, but there is English dubbing with I think a few notable voice actors. Though I was I like to watch the Japanese version with the subtitles, but I've heard good things about the English dub. That's probably not always true, but in this case, I think they got quality actors for it, <laughs> not random. I, mean, I I watched it in with the English dub, and and yeah, it you was did. it was good work. Okay. Uh, yeah. I didn't immediately recognize any of the voices, but I'm not very good with actors anyway. So sure, <laughs> but yeah, sure, it, it was well done. Well, I think the only the the only big name actor in there is um. Gina, oh my god, what's his name? Carlo. It's the guy. He was like the bad guy in Far Cry Six and Breaking Bad, and you know all that stuff. Um, uh, he he played know. the fixer guy. What's his name? The guy with the three eyes. He voiced him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't really matter. I'm bad with names. <laughs> yeah, so am I. But um, yeah, what is what's interesting about this show is a lot of material around cyberpunk, which of course is a tabletop game made by Mike Pondsmith back in 1980 something or the other. Sounds I think. about right. Um, but that was a different setting. That was you know cyberpunk like 2020 basically. Like the I think first it was one was 2013. Uh, the second game is 2020. Right. But it was 2020 uh, no. that mostly blew up for the tabletop. Game. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I was thinking of blowing up because Johnny Silverhand blows up the tower in 2020 something. <laughs> anyway, in the lore. Um, then, of course, there's now Cyberpunk Red, which I think is 2040 range, 2045 or so. So it's still a good. 2045, like, yes. Yeah. You know, um, 20 whatever plus years still before 77. So what's interesting to me is, as far as I know, this is the first property that's set in the same timeline as the video game in the show it's 2076 although at a point in the show it does switch to 2077 which i didn't notice i saw a reddit comment saying oh yeah the license plates change <laughs> oh i, I did not notice, notice that either <laughs> apparently they do at some point to 2077 so hmm. after the time jump which is episode seven hmm. um it's an over just okay i'm yakking i'm gonna let you um brief summary basically it's just about this kid david who, you know, he's just uh, a school kid with a single mom, um, with a single mom trying to help him, you know, get through Arasaka school, which is high end. And then he gets caught up in all kinds of shenanigans. It's up with, you know, an edge runner crew who are basically like criminals slash mercenaries. They, I mean, they're labeled mercenaries, but they seem to do a lot of criminal activity. <laughs> <laughs> but they call them mercs, I guess, which I guess is just acceptable in Night City, um, the, the setting. Um but did you know what's your like cyberpunk bat? What were your expectations going into this show? Basically, I'm curious if any. I don't. I don't really know that I. I well, I, I can't say like I had clean slate expectations because I'd seen the aesthetic of the show way before I watched it, uh, and I'd seen like small, not really even clips, but like you know GIF like bits of it, not with audio, just you know, yeah, GIF like sequences. Um, so I already had some assumptions about what I was going into before I started it. Um, but I'll say this, um, it's, it's very much its own thing. Um, you don't have to like 
the Cyberpunk tabletop or the Cyberpunk 2077 game uh, to enjoy the show. On the flip side, if you really do like either the tabletop or uh, the video game, there's no guarantees you're going to enjoy the show. Um, There's still a clear connection from the show to the Cyberpunk universe. You know, it does take place in Night City. You have Arasaka and there's a lot of familiar aspects to it, but it is very much its own thing. Um, stylistically, narratively speaking. Um, it borrows a lot on the same themes, of course, because it's a cyberpunk thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's unique. It's its own thing. Um, and I, It's good. It's definitely good. Um, but don't be like uh, expecting the same kind of vibe as you'd get from the game or the tabletop game, <clears throat> which I guess is also a game. So the game or the game. <laughs> um, Oops. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I thought, um, I guess we'll, we'll save spoilers for a little bit later. So that if people haven't seen it and they want to see it, we can jump into spoilers in a bit. Right. Uh, and then warn people in advance, of course. Yeah. Um, but in, in general, broad strokes, um, it... It does some interesting things to really hammer in the themes it plays with. Um, And it really does push the, let's say, grim nature of the cyberpunk world. Um, While it still maintains uh, enough lightheartedness to make you care about the people in the world. Because if something's just too dark all the time, you know, you can just tune off and go, oh, it's just bad. But there's still enough... um, shine in people's eyes to care about some of them um and um yeah it's 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 an interesting look into night city and the characters within it um and if you are into the game uh specifically the the video game i mean um there is also you know intri- like little bits of cameos and stuff that'll be like hey i know that and, and stuff like that so it, there's some fun stuff to be had uh in the cross universe stuff and CD project red did see a huge boon in their player base for cyberpunk 2077 after the show got popular um massive resurgence in the player base all like exceeding the number of players when the game launched originally and it's really pushed them to you know do more with the franchise and announced more stuff pretty quickly after the show blew up and stuff so for cyberpunk as a whole it's it's done really well for the yeah franchise yeah it makes me really happy as someone i didn't watch anything about the show before at all no clips no nothing i was just kind of like holy cow there's suddenly i remember maybe six months ago there was like a teaser image and i'm like yeah well you know okay whatever (laughs) that'll come out far in the future and totally forgot about it then it just released i was like holy cow so i went and watched it um yeah i i'm i think it's a phenomenal show i'm biased with absolutely loving it's are none my number one favorite theme in like gaming and entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. Going back to, you know, the Deus Ex days, 1999, which is cyberpunk in a sense, or adjacent yeah, yeah. at least. Um, well, a it's lot definitely of, like within the, what do you call like the genre of cyberpunk? Even yeah, not, yeah, cyberpunk. I didn't mean correct. Like not cyberpunk tabletop or this video game, but like body augmentation, big mega corporations ruling the world and you know, all that sort of theme, thematic stuff. Has always mm-hmm. been uh, a lot of fun for me, but um, yeah, I was surprised how. Um, again, we'll get into more spoilers later. We'll put a warning. How well the narrative was done, other than mm-hmm. minor complaint, would be 
I, th- I wish the show was 12 episodes instead of 10. I think I there agree. were two spots that were a little too rushed. And I was like, man, this needed an episode to like bridge that gap and just feel a little more complete. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with, and these episodes are short. Each one's like, what, 22 minutes or 25 or something? Because there's a weirdly long amount of credits in each episode, like <laughs> six or seven minutes or something. So it's not as long as you think. So for basically what amounts to like three hours of screen time, they tell a really good story other mm-hmm. than a few rush spots. But I think with the time they have, yeah, like you were saying, they really make you care about the characters, which I think is what made the show explode because people got an, because, you know, Cyberpunk, the video game, cut a lot of flack on launch, rightfully so, for being subpar and buggy and under overpromised, underdelivered, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. They've been toiling away and patching it better and better. But this show, I think, reminded people how cool a story and setting Night City can be and Cyberpunk can tell. Um, I don't think the game matches it because the game's different. You're running around mostly by yourself, occasionally with someone, but. After watching the show, I did feel like, man, this, I do kind of wish this is what the video game was in the sense that it feels like you should have a crew. You should be able to like mm-hmm. go on missions, if not even, even with AI partners, at least, if not like literally other players. Um, you know, it felt like the way the game should be played. And of course you do start out that way. It's, I mean, game spoilers, your partner dies pretty early. <laughs> not first mission, basically, game. almost. Yeah, first major mission, basically, you know. Mm-hmm your partner so you have a few but then you're basically solo the rest of the game barring maybe a couple side missions or or whatever main missions here and there um so i think it told such an interesting story that to me what was interesting and i was not sort of i was sort of arguing if you want to call it that um not really debating at best with some people on reddit how i was saying to me this show felt actually remarkably grounded um Mm. in that at least compared to a lot of anime, which I watch on and off, it's normally way over the top. And the show is over the top in the sense of its violence. It's a hard R show, like super hard R, ultra violent, lots of profanity. Honestly, it's like lower on the sex, very, very little other than like flashes. It's mostly ultra violent in profanity, like mega ultra violent, like almost comically violent. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly. So if that's a turnoff for you, there you go. But like it makes the game look like a PG game or something. Honestly, like it's so violent, but by grounded, I meant the characters. Um, No one has plot armor. And honestly, all the characters are really flawed. They feel very human. That's what I mean by grounded and relatable. No one's perfect. There's no superheroes. Everyone has dreams they're trying to do. They have regrets. They might have pasts that are haunting them or not. Um, But they remain optimistic. They show great like friendship and loyalty to each other. Of course, there's a little backstabbing here and there, but um. To me, that felt like a realistic depiction of a bunch of people who are just thrown together and like, okay, we're a team, but, you know, people are um, causing trouble for the team based on their flaws or in pursuit of their dreams. And I found that really interesting to show that on screen when I'm used to seeing in these sort of games, movies, shows, whatever, like usually there's someone much more perfect or it was much more shades of gray. Like this person's evil, this person's good, yada, yada. And this one's kind of like, well... Not no one's really good or evil per se. Everyone's just out for themselves, and that may align together and make them seem good, and it may align against and make them seem bad. But ultimately, everyone's just pursuing their dreams, and it's really interesting to show that most characters, one or two, get really like less screen time, which is what's his name, uh, Rebecca's brother, and Doria, who gets a little more. 
um, basically of the five or six main characters or six to eight main characters, most of them get a lot of screen time and like two get very minimal, like development basically. And you don't really get to know them, like what drives them or what's their dreams. Everyone else, you get a really good sense of that. And I think that's why the show blew up because whether you're a fan of the game or not, it just told an interesting, grounded, like compelling human drama story, which of course had lots of action in it and a little romance and some thrills and twists and turns. But in my opinion, that's what made me want to go play the game. I was like, holy cow, I want to jump into this setting and it helps that it is connected. Um, and that universe uses a lot of the settings from the game, some of the music. You can go and visit some of the same areas, occasionally talk to a few of the same characters like Falco, he's in the game. They added a patch to add in some stuff from the show into the game, a couple of the characters' guns and weapons and stuff. Like To me, it was brilliant. And I literally went and bought a PC so I could play it, honestly, <laughs> after watching the show. I could nice. play it on GeForce Now, but I was kind of tired of that. And I wanted to mod the game. And honestly, I have like 60 mods installed right now. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm have you got the now. flying car one? <laughs> I have it installed, but not enabled. I want to try it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, heard, I've heard it's really well made, actually. But it's, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, I've seen videos. Hmm. Um, yeah. But so, without being spoilery, yeah, broadly, I think it's really good, but I, I was trying to deep dive like why I think it's so compelling. And honestly, I found that hopeful because I see a lot of different, because you were talking about like it's kind of grim and dark and it is. I mean, it's, hmm. it's far in the future. Megacorps basically rule everything. A lot of people struggle. Um, you know, being chromed up as they call it, basically having implants and like being part cyborg is really advantageous to various kinds of work. Um, but also difficult because it's expensive and you need medicine. And basically date, what makes David interesting is he has a really high tolerance for, for cyberware, for chroming. So he keeps pushing himself, pushing himself. And this is a main theme of the show. Um, not only with David, but other characters, like how far mm-hmm. can they push themselves to basically do more missions and, and climb up in the world and get more money and status. And I, I don't know if I'd call it power, but at least in the street cred, I guess. Um, but then what are the side effects of that? How does it affect you mentally or emotionally? And uh, as Mike Pondsmith explains it, it's basically your humanity stat. Like David has a really, and this was a comment on Reddit I found by him. Uh, he said David he has a really high humanity stat. He has, mm-hmm. you know... Um, despite some family loss, you know, and sort of life change, you know, he, and he gets a crew to rely on sort of a second family. He gets a girlfriend. He's good at his job, even if that job's, you know, sort of mercenary criminal, like things are basically, well, he's basically mentally and emotionally stable despite being in this sort of violent dark world. And that's how he can push himself so far. And I found that really interesting. Like, yeah, that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. But that's why I yeah. do. So yeah, I just like the show. But um, it definitely has a couple couple flaws. I mean, maybe someone less biased could pick out more flaws. Minor, really, just that I felt like it was a little rushed. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, and I'm interested to hear if we think it's rushed in the same places. Because there's especially you mentioned two bit, but there's especially one bit that I felt was rushed, which is also the one area where I felt like the whole grounded. You can really relate to these characters, and they feel like they're reacting in real ways. I felt that fell apart a bit in that scene, but I also felt like it made sense that the show was doing it on purpose in in that moment. So I'm not sure I can entirely criticize it yet. I feel like I would have preferred that scene to have happened differently. 
Um, yeah, we can basically thing. hop into spoiler spoiler alert at this point. Um, if you watch the show, haven't watched the show, don't care about spoilers or whatever. If you do care about spoilers, basically the rest of the podcast will be spoilers for the show. Um, yeah. So cheerio if you don't want spoilers. Uh, if you don't care or want to hear our thoughts on the, the more deep dive, uh, carry on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the rush, the first spot I thought it was really rushed was the time jump and episode seven. So then, you know, David's mother's died. He's joined the crew. He's doing well. He's got the uh, the Sandy, as they call it, lets him move really quick. Um, but then the big gig goes sideways and Maine dies. Doria dies. At this point, Rebecca's brother's already dead, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I wanted an episode after that in between that time jump. It's like an indeterminate sort of six odd month time jump. It doesn't tell you, but it feels that way. Suddenly Dave and Lucy are living together. He's all super chromed up. He's like an all-star runner on the street and doing all these missions. Yeah. I wanted more like, yeah. What are some emotional reactions to all this? Like what he's suddenly the leader of the team. Like there's like a lot of big changes that are, I don't want to say glossed over. They're just presented. Um, and seeing as I actually care about these characters, uh, I wanted to see more of their reaction, how they dealt with basically half their team dying and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. That was my first, like, I really like this. And suddenly I was a little, like, jarred out of uh, my immersion. Mm. I mean, um, yeah, I I can see where you're coming from. Um, I honestly didn't really think about that at the time. Um, I think I, I, on reflection, agree that it would have been nice to have seen more of that in between time and known more about the character's emotional state of the losses of a lot of the team there. Um, but I didn't at the time feel like that was necessarily a rush thing. I just felt like they were kind of going, the interesting story we want to tell is not in this bit. So we're just going to skip ahead. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, that, that no, old... I, I feel that yeah, part mm. of it came later after the ending and then reflecting back further, mm. basically to make the ending like even more of a gut punch, <laughs> as it were. Mm. Uh, I wanted basically more scenes of David and Lucy being together because they go from more or less boyfriend, girlfriend, but to suddenly completely being moved in together. Um, and then, of course, they have a few fights and they're a little like they're both oddly trying to help each other. but doing it alone. So they sort of end up at odds or walking their own path, even though they're trying to help each other and they do love each other. But um, I wanted basically to see more than being happy together to make the ending even like more gut wrenching. <laughs> I can <laughs> totally see where you're coming from dies, with that. Yeah. Like, cause um, you know, he basically not basically he sacrifices his life to save her. So it's like, okay, he cares about her, but like we didn't get to see that development to the point where he would like he would give up everything for her or even right. vice versa you know and she's off running in the dark net or whatever and killing these guys because they arasaka's info on him being special and wanting him as a test subject and she erased yeah. it and so i didn't think of all that really until i finished the show then thought back to that moment and like well i wish i'd seen a little more development i don't think their actions were like um not justified they obviously cared about each other it's fine but it would have made it to me even more compelling and more like oh like if they had shown perhaps some, not like a whole episode, even just a few, a little brief montage, you know, mm. of them being happy or moving in or something to me, that would have tied it a lot more together deeply. And, um, well, yeah, basically 
made more of an impact in the ending. It's not that yeah, it, the impact had, the ending had no impact for me. Just I think I would have had more with that. That's all. That definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, th- I actually think one of the interesting aspects here is that you mentioned before the whole uh, being extra tolerant towards uh, implants is based on humanity in the tabletop games. Um, well, that humanity, I guess your bag of humanity points, is based on your empathy stat. Hmm. Uh, and I think it's interesting to look at what you said before also about uh, the motivations and the dreams all these characters have where a recurring thing is that Lucy keeps telling David, like, what's your dream? It seems like all David is trying to fight for always is other people's dreams. He's almost like driven by the empathy stat to fight for other people's dreams rather than his own fighting for Lucy's dreams to go to the moon or his mom's dream for him to, you know, go to Arasaka and all that. Um, so that that's kind of like a little thing where the game's mechanics almost ties into his character in a fun way. Um, but what I, I what I thought was a rushed feeling scene was way back when his mom died, all the way back in I don't know episode one or two or something like that. I think um, it's two, maybe two one, right. one or two, yeah, yeah, something like that. Because um, that whole thing where she dies and David you know, finds out, has to emotionally cope with it. Uh, she basically like gets cremated immediately and just hears a pile of your dead mom. Um, it's pretty brief. Like all of that happens within such a short time span. You don't get to develop um, the emotions he's going through. It's mostly based around anger and you never mm. get the other facets of grief. You just get, I'm angry. Um, Mm. it it felt like he never had a moment where he just got to be sad that his mom was dead. He just shit, fuck, I'm alone, I'm angry, (laughs) and then goes to try and punch his school mate or whatever. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Um, the guy with the kung fu cyberware, which was really exactly who barely knows how to fucking (laughs) use the thing. Um, (laughs) but I I would have liked to feel that emotional aspect of grief more and that just wasn't Mm. i agree that that that. was also a little rushed yeah for sure Mm -hmm. but on the flip side of that i I felt like that was an intentional choice by the show you know it's that you can have two kinds of rushed scenes one where it just like oh that felt incomplete and one where you're like i would have liked to seen more but that felt intentional and i feel like it felt intentional because they were like emphasizing the corporate run money is everything nature of cyberpunk um and the whole thing was like uh, pay money to get time to grief otherwise here's your dead mom like really pushing that aspect and oh you can't afford insurance well she's dead all that um yeah so yeah yeah i would have also like you talked about david um chasing everyone else's dreams that's very true that's what drives him and also makes him an interesting he's like the main character but in a sense he isn't he is and he isn't and that, like, he's not on the hero's quest and he's not the invincible guy with no, uh, you know, all the plot armor and everything. No, he's he's fallible. You know, he gets, yeah, blinded by their people's dreams, basically. You know, everyone keeps telling him, well, maybe you're special. So he keeps telling himself, yeah, maybe I am special. And he keeps pushing and pushing the cyberware until he starts losing it. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing I would have liked to see, again, just to make the ending even more like, oh, my heart, like, because, you know, yeah, Lucy had the dream to go to the moon. Um, 
you know, with him and he says, yeah, I'll take you to the moon. So that's when they get together. But like, I would have loved to see like, oh, like, or something like at the last gig they go on, which of course it all goes, it all goes wrong. But like after this gig, we'll have enough money to buy tickets to the moon or something, you know, Mm -hmm. like tie it in even more. Like why he would just push this super dangerous job with a small crew. You know, of course at that point he's like overconfident because he's super chromed up and everything. But Hmm. um, again, I wanted a little more tying him and Lucy together, even if it's in the background or even just a line or two. Um, Because it's sort of, and again, it's perhaps intentional, but it's interesting that in a sense, the relationship drives the show, but it's also in the background at the same time. It's not Hmm. like I want to see them sleeping together or something. It's just like a few lines to tie their ambitions together a little bit Mm. more would have been Mm. more compelling. Again, I just use this word more compelling. I was satisfied, but I would have liked to see just a titch more of it to give it like to round out the emotional aspect of it or something. Um, Again, kind of like the grief thing with his mother. Um, You do see him looking hollow and sort of like just dead eyed basically. Mm. Um, So he never really looks sad per se, but he definitely looks like hollowed out in some scenes and then, yeah, angry, but Mm. um, I don't know. He never, again, there's no time for this in the show, but like, I don't know, he never tries to take revenge on the gang who killed his mother. He does because they're, who were they? I think it's the animals, if I'm not mistaken, or the tiger claws, one of the two. Like yeah. they're, they, all the gangs are identifiable by like what they do. Um, you do see him um, hating on, um, what are they called? Trauma team or whatever, the medical personnel. <laughs> they show up later yeah. to save the guy, cut off his leg. And then he has like flashbacks to them not ignoring his mother. And then he just kills the whole like lot of them. Um, I mean, technically they're innocent peoples, but um, you do see him being very like revenge driven. He also takes on kind of like mainstream to, you know, bulk up. And he's even like, when you die, I'll take your arm. And, you know, um, yeah. it's an interesting show how it works. Um, I'm curious what you think of Rebecca. I've heard she's divisive. Some people hate her. Some people love her. Um, apparently CD project themselves were going to cut her from the show, but the, uh, I think it's studio trigger who animated it. They pushed and insisted she stay in. I mean, I I enjoyed her. I thought she was very charismatic. Um, and he spicy, uh, well in a nice way, you know, where, um, she brought a lot of energy to every scene she was in. Um, but I don't know. She, at the same time, I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the characters were good on screen, um, but did not necessarily leave such a lasting impact that if you hadn't said Rebecca, I would not have remembered her name is what I'm getting at essentially. And that part of that is me being bad at names. And part of that is just, um, I don't know, aside from Lucy and David, I didn't necessarily uh, get that attached to any of the characters. Um, I did in the sense that like, I, I cared when they were on screen and I enjoyed the, like their presence. Um, but none of them as individuals rather than part of the team, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Um, I hear you. I hear you on that. Um, But but I thought Rebecca was fun. Yeah, I like the energy she brought. Um, She brought some of that shine and like levity um, because she's always upbeat and always just like causing Mm -hmm. trouble or cracking jokes or or whatever, basically cheering everyone up around her. I definitely think the show would be worse without her because she brought a a lot of good energy to the team that needed, you know, some 
uh, hey energy, you know, to not just yeah. be all gruff all the time. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I really appreciated her for that. And in the later episodes of the show, I appreciated that, honestly, even more than Lucy, she was like David's best friend. She was yes. there for him all the time. She had his back. I mean, she basically also threw her life away for him, essentially. I mean, it's mm-hmm. shown she's a little bit maybe one-sided in love with him or at least interested in him. But um, she's like the real ride-or-die friend, literally, for yes. David, even more so than really any other character in the show. And I appreciated that because, of course, David's the main character. And um, you mm-hmm. get pretty invested in him, more or less, or at least you could. Um, you know, she had more than one option to bail on him and she didn't and you know he's the one who he asks her and no one else to like keep injecting him full of these special drugs because he's like you're the only one who can ask no one else will do it because they wouldn't <laughs> they'd be like you're crazy forget this you know he can't do the mission without like special practically kill you drugs you know the doctor even says like when these are done you know don't bother coming back or you won't come back so you know never mind it's like military grade uh, suppressants or something to keep him going yeah, you know, I actually or, think uh, that um, y- y- yeah. while I said that, that Lucy and David were the only characters I care about as individuals, I'll actually say that Rebecca was probably my favorite character, even though I didn't necessarily care for her, like care that much about her outside of the team she was with, a part of. Um, yeah. When she interacted as a part of that team, and as you say, with the whole friendship with David and stuff, um she she was my favorite presence, and she, I, I love that energy she had. So, yeah, she, I thought she was great. Yeah, she ultimately became my favorite character because of that. She was so fun, and her later actions in the show, double spoiler alert, she dies in the very end, which made me sad. Adam smash her, well, literally smashes her. Um, you know, but she goes out almost hilariously. She's, like, screaming and shooting, which is pretty much what she always does. Yeah, it's know. very in character. <laughs> yeah, it's super in character. It's almost comic, but also tra- it's like tragic comic at the same or whatever the word is. Um, you know, and she also helps save Lucy, you know. Um, so pretty much the only people to walk away in the show is like Falco and Lucy. Everyone else mm-hmm. eats it in like main character sense. Um, um, you know, and then you can get Rebecca's shotgun in the game and David's jacket. And there's a mission or two. You don't see Falco, but you like talk to him. You never, you don't see Lucy. A lot of people are clamoring for that. Well, you know, since some other future hmm. update or a future game, who knows? They're making another cyberpunk game now. Of course, yeah, it's, it's you know, five or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's why ultimately Rebecca was my favorite character, mostly because of that, like deep loyalty and friendship, like literally ride or die, you know? And even when he's like losing his mind and like, he mistakes Rebecca for his mother. Like, look, mm-hmm. mom, and go into the top of the tower or something. And she's like, you know, okay, David, let's go. You know, like, yeah. if she herself sees, like, he's he's lost it. He's gone. You know, there's no turning back. And she still goes with him. So that's cool. I mean, yeah. they all die. But, <laughs> you know, there's basically no good endings in Night City, except for maybe, you know, well, not necessarily. If you play the video game, you'll see a lot of the, the corpos don't have it so hot either. Even the top ones, you know, they're always getting assassinated and hmm. schemed against. And <laughs> so there's but not, they do have not comfy sofas. They do. They do. <laughs> and they have uh, 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 trauma team insurance if they get attacked yeah. and stuff. Platinum. That helps too. Uh, that, that helps a lot. Um, 
but it's cool, yeah, to, to see the resurgence around the show. They announced uh, a new one or two new games and more Witcher games and yada yada. Basically, all all good news. Um, I would what more than anything, it made me realize this setting is really cool and they can tell really interesting stories in it. I would like to see a season two of the show, but not like totally new characters is fine. A lot of people are clamoring, you know, we need a season two to like see Lucy, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, let her, you know, other than maybe a cameo or something, if that, you know, let her be like, tell a new story, tell a new setting, not a new, uh, tell a new story in a, either a different setting or same setting or whatever. Maybe one on the corporate side could be interesting um, rather than like the street merch side. Mm. Um or something, because um, I just found didn't it really they, interesting. Didn't they say that in the announcement that they were working on more stuff in the Cyberpunk franchise aside from just games as well? Or am I mis- misremembering that? They, I think they did say something about it. Um, as far as like a season two of this show, they said, well, this was a one and done. This story was a one and done intentionally. And you can right, see that yeah. it's very wrapped up other than, I mean, Lucy, you see her going to the moon in the ending and um yeah. And it, technically in the game, Falco's like, well, we over here, he references a we, which is presumably him and Lucy. They're the only ones alive. And he, there's a quest to get David's jacket in the game. So mm. that's cool. Um, yeah, I don't think there needs to be a season two for those characters personally. But I would like to see season two in the world because I think it's, I mean, I quote unquote call it fun, <laughs> entertaining, compelling. Um, it is grim and dark and dirty, but it's also like vibrant and sort of funny um, and despite the world, there's still great displays of friendship and love and bravery and camaraderie and people yeah. chasing their dreams. And in a sense, like, well, nothing's still the world we know today. People are flawed. People are passionate and ambitious. They have also good qualities. Also, you know, again, I keep going back to flawed because that's, I see quite a few anime where, I mean, okay, the show still has tropes in it. What show doesn't, but they're more cyberpunk tropes. They're less... Mm typical anime stuff david's not your typical main character lucy's not your typical main female character you know um again pretty much no one has plot armor anyone can die and they do (laughs) a lot of them you know sometimes expectedly sometimes unexpectedly like kind of main um you could see his end coming a couple episodes in advance like at some point you know he's starting to lose it starting to attack his own team even you know <clears throat> he's slowly going crazy. They're all pleading with him to, st- you know, stop, scale back on the cyberware. He's refusing, you know, smacks him off. Um, it's like, okay, this guy's gonna at some point go nuts and either kill someone on the team or get himself killed or whatever. And that's ultimately what happens. I saw an interesting discussion saying like, oh, Lucy got main killed because they're on this gig to extract the data from this Tanaka guy. And she basically flatlines him and erases the data you know, which then triggers the trauma team response. But I'm pretty sure the police were already there, if I'm not mistaken. they were, yeah. Um, They were there before the trauma team just added in. And trauma team is a lot worse than police, though. They are, um, because they have, like, ARs and full-body armor and more training. Um, But arguably, Maine had attacked Kiwi and Doria and knocked her out, which is why they had to bring in Lucy. (laughs) Yeah. If that never happened, well, we'd have ultimately a very different show because Kiwi's more like self-serving and ambitious. She, you know, she might have seen the data and just not done anything about it, you know. Mm-hmm. So Lucy doing that triggered made events worse. But I feel like based on what we were seeing of Maine, well, something, he was a ticking time bomb. Lucy may oh, have yeah. accelerated it, um, you know, what do you call it, inadvertently or unintentionally. 
you know, she just cares about Dave and is trying to keep him safe. But um, but yeah, yeah, you can argue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They they showed that. And I wasn't quite sure. Did he shoot Doria or did the police shoot her? I was a little unclear on that. I'm actually, I don't think you're supposed to know, honestly. I think it's supposed to be bullets everywhere. And they had already shown him shooting at her. I'm pretty sure at some point. And she was like jumping around and trying to hit him with a stem. And yeah. So that's yeah, too bad. I think but. it's supposed to be up in the air that you're not supposed to entirely know, honestly. Right. In any case, there were a lot of bullets flying around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but but cool I, show I, I that explores more, interesting themes. Sorry, go ahead. I, I think more to the point of what you were saying about another, not necessarily sequel to these characters, but more in this show. It It is called Cyberpunk Edge Runners. So while Edge Runners is, you know, the, the gang of mercs and stuff in, in general like a term for it um you were saying maybe you do something focused on the corpos well there could be edge runners or sorry cyberpunk corpos or cyberpunk right. net runners and so on right you know, focusing on different aspects of the world um that'd be cool edge runners would probably is be done... the main area where there's stories to tell but there's more right. opportunities I do. I mean, the net running would be cool because um, the visuals around it in the show are pr- really fun with all the yeah. overlays and the cyberware and then being in that virtual world or whatever. And um, it's cool. I would I would go for that. Basically, just more of it. Um, yeah. And I think they'd be crazy not to. Um, the show also really blew up. I 100% agree with what you said way back in the beginning. If you like the show, you may not like the game. If you like the game or tabletop, you may not like the show. Like that's, I agree with all of that. There is mm-hmm. some link, but ultimately, yeah, it's very much its own product, um, just with a few links and you know, sort of ideas tied into the tabletop and the video game. Yeah. Um, but I think it's you know, I can't, obviously I don't know all the fans who watch the show. There's clearly a lot of video game fans that had it sold several million copies or. 10 or 12, I think at this point it sold 20 million copies, Cyberpunk, across PC and console. So it has a sure. huge fan base, but not everyone likes anime. In fact, a lot of people don't. Um, a friend of mine who hasn't played the game, video game, or the tabletop game, you know, I pinged him on. He's a gamer, though, and a board gamer and tabletop gamer. He plays Warhammer and all that. You know, I, I pinged him on the show. And, you know, this is pretty cool. Check it out. And he watched an episode or two. He's like, man, I just, you know, I don't do anime. Couldn't get into it. A couple of weeks later, he pinged me back or tried again and I ended up watching the whole thing. It was pretty good. I liked it a lot, you know. Hmm. He didn't have too much more to say than that. Um, but again, there's someone who like basically bounced off of it because like, eh, I just can't get into the style. You know, it's not for me. Um, yeah. But I like the style. Um, it's hmm. really colorful. I mean, the animation's also just 10 out of 10, like top notch. Oh, yeah. Animation totally, yeah. and like uh, there's a lot of nice, uh, whatever you call it, a. Uh, I don't. I can't really call it camera work, but whatever that equivalent is in animation, there's a lot of good angles and scenes. Composition. There's a lot of good scene composition, angles, lighting, you know, um, mood setting, atmosphere. The music's banging. Um, I think the soundtrack's been like in the top ten or one of Spotify or something for a couple of weeks. Also, like it's just it's cool. It's fun. Yeah, that's one of the areas where you can feel the link to the game like the video game i felt that's the music like there's a lot of influence there i think um, mm. it is now they used that. majority if not exclusively music from the game i'm not sure if it's oh, okay. exclusive but a lot of them are yeah. playing the game more now i'm running around and i'm hearing a lot of the tracks from the show either playing on the radio or from the shop and i'll run over and be like hey you know the shop's <laughs> playing the music and i'll hang out a little bit and listen and then keep running or whatever um 
What's interesting to me, based on what I was saying, is um, the next Cyberpunk game they announced, early announcement, it's several years away, but they said it will, I don't know, be like everything you could imagine in Cyberpunk or to live up to all like fully fledged Cyberpunk game or something like that. And they also said it would have multiplayer. What's interesting to me is, well, this game was supposed to have multiplayer, but I can't imagine that was ever co-op. I, w- I would imagine it was like no, some I weird don't PvP so. thing. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I mean, I'm also losing my interest in PvP games these days outside of like some board games head to head, but like video games, I pretty much want single player or co-op. Um, I also think potentially if done right, it could be really compelling to have a co-op like cyberpunk mm. you know, world. It, it it does worry me a little what you just said though, because the, the cyberpunk 2077 game was originally announced in like what, 2013 or something yeah, again, it was. very early. And had a lot yeah. of promises about everything you can imagine in this world. Yeah. And all these problems mm-hmm. and multiplayer and all that. And that all got scrapped. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously not all of it. There still was a game. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of the ideas were scrapped. And now you're saying, oh, they're promising it very early. And there's multiplayer mm-hmm. and everything you can imagine. Yeah. How much of that is going to wind up in a final product? <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, and I think they're very aware of that at this point. And commendably... Oh, yeah. oh. They're still working on Cyberpunk. Um, There's still more patches, and not just patches, but they're adding in features. Um, The next major patch, they said they're uh, revamping the melee system, because right now it's honestly really basic. Um, And they're, yeah, to put it, but there's really cool melee weapons and perks and cyberware and stuff, which makes you want to use it, but then the actual attacks are like really flat. They added in a couple cool kill animations, but. While I played the game, I got a mono wire thing um, as a cyberware implant thing. Yeah. And I thought it was so cool that I really wanted to to use it. But I found myself feeling less enjoyment from the core gameplay loop of fighting enemies, but still feeling like I shouldn't shift back to my shotgun, which I enjoyed using more, but I should use the cool cyberware I bought. (laughs) So I just sat there not enjoying the game as much. Just I have I need to use this thing. (laughs) Yeah, um, they're adding, they're totally redoing the police system because they still appear out of thin air and stuff. They're adding in like vehicle combat and car chases. Like um, they're doing the problem. This is all the stuff that was supposed to be in the base game. Um, and you can see now with how much they've done, if they let's like let's pretend they launched the game, like along with edge runners, like boom, here's Cyberpunk 2077 launch time. And here's a cool show. Mm. Um, the game would have caught out some flack but way less because it's a lot more yeah. feature complete. I mean, we all, it's no use deep diving the, the launch and those reasons they were rushed. They were forced yada, yada over mm-hmm. promised under delivered, you know, who knows what mismanagement and timelines and budgets and whatever went on or didn't go on. Um, but what's hopeful is based on the positive response now, because the developers and the lead devs and quest designers and all these people have been coming out on social media and Twitch and what have you and being like, thank you to the fans. Thank you for believing in us and sticking with us. I think they announced that over a million active players a day now. I guess yeah. they also, that must be console because Steam only has like 80, 100,000 or whatever. Um, yeah. Or it's in the top 10 of Steam. But <clears throat> there's so much momentum with the show. Of course, they don't want to squander it. So they announce stuff. I think that's why they did it. Um, they announced more content, whether that's um, there is a book coming out also, again, set in 2077 era, which, again, is, un, I think, unexplored, like a proper novel by some notable Polish sci-fi author or something. Mm. Uh, I don't know his name, but he's apparently like a notable deal in Poland. 
or in the sci-fi book community or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they'd be foolish not to make another show. Again, I think it should be different characters completely or mm-hmm. mostly. Um, Netrunner or Corpo would be super cool. Uh, obviously, they're making another game. Um, but, you know, I I just I don't think PvP Cyberpunk would make sense because it's too stat based. It's too cyberware based. Like, how could it ever be balanced? You know? It just, I mean, you know, a lot of RPGs have had PvP multiplayer where you just have a separate character for multiplayer that has a different stat system that's just fixed for everyone. Right, and stuff right, like right. That. Streamlined but, or whatever. Yeah, but that is a, a situation. I don't think stuff like that has ever necessarily been received super well. It's always just been a bit like, well, I guess there's an extra mode I can play around with for an hour and then quit. At least yeah. that's my experience with that sort of multiplayer system. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I I would much prefer like a one to even two player like co-op or maybe one. They typically do one to four, but um, some of those games compromise when it's like co-op first. It's like it's hard to marry good single player and good co-op. But, you know, we'll see. I could see a like Borderlands style co-op system work for it. But perhaps. Yeah, that's that's pretty fun. Um, obviously it's a long ways off. It's total speculation. They just said it will have multiplayer. They also said the new Witcher games will have multiplayer. Once again, like, uh, oh, I don't know about that, but maybe good. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, um, they are remaking the Witcher one and Unreal Engine five, which is interesting. That wasn't once an interesting one. Cause I think I mentioned on the podcast before that I tried to play the Witcher and I got stuck on the first one being, I have to complete it. Just no. Yep. I could get into a remake of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Unreal Engine 5 looks incredible. And of course, a remake means they'll smooth out the mechanics. They'll probably mm. implement a Witcher 2 or 3 style combat system rather than the Witcher 1 and mm. yada, yada. Um, and make it Mac compatible like the Witcher 1, please. <laughs> like the original one. <laughs> yeah. But not yeah. like four years after release like they originally did. <laughs> yeah, that was little. that was a little much. Um, so it's cool. Basically, you know, after a really rough, like, year and a half, two years for CG Project Red, it's all, you know, it's turning up great. You know, good news for The Witcher, other than Henry Cavill ditching The Witcher show mm-hmm. on Netflix. That's not good news, but um, unless you didn't like the guy, I guess, but I did. Um, but yeah, you know, new Witcher announcements, Witcher sequel, Witcher remake. I think there's some other Witcher spinoff and yeah, just more cyberpunk adjacent properties. The book is coming out like a full length novel. There's like novellas and little comics. There's a really cool four part trauma team comic. I forget what it's called. Oh my goodness. But I went and read through it a week or two ago, which tells a really interesting short story. They're pretty short comics, not like full length of uh, a trauma team character, but gives you a whole more insight into trauma team basically and what drives them or what they do. And, and presents this really interesting conundrum of a trauma team officer who has her whole team killed by like a psycho cyberware guy with like mantis blades and everything just carves up her team and haha runs away. And then like next, you know, her next job is she has to go and save the guy because he has platinum insurance from trauma team. So uh. she's just like losing her mind and wants to kill this guy because he killed her whole team. And like, what this, you know, how can we rescue this guy? He's a murderer and a crazy person. They're like, shut up. Mm. It's the job. He's a platinum level client. You know, mm. you got to get him out of this gang infested building and with everyone trying to kill him. And it's, it's, it's a really compelling mini story of them trying to escape. And she's nice. constantly conflicted. Like has it, she actually hesitates a few times, gets some of her teammates killed even. And it creates this really interesting dynamic of short story. Um, nice. You know, you get to see some more about Trauma Team. 
you can just imagine something like that happening. Like what a fry, <laughs> And, you know, this, uh, again, the shade of shade of gray area, but then the killer guy actually saves her life two or three times in the comic. He didn't have to, but he does. Then it's like, well, wait, he's the bad guy, but then he's like helping like, ah, you know, what am I supposed to feel and think about these characters? Um, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Um, I say that again, being biased, it's my favorite thing more or less ever. (laughs) So I'll just eat it up and I, I will recognize, but probably tolerate any mistakes um in 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 the entertainment of it but um but yeah that's cyberpunk edge runners and uh, adjacent news um mm-hmm. give it a go hopefully <laughs> um i mean it's i think it's been in the netflix top five or one for several weeks so a lot of people have been giving it a go um oh yeah and i think it has i don't know what its score is on like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, but it's it's high. It's like it's well, pretty high. Yeah. yeah, it's well rated, like eight or nine out of ten, I think, or eighty, ninety percent, or whatever. But that's like the the people who made it, Studio Trigger. They generally have high ratings on most of what they make. I, I've not actually seen any of the other stuff, but I've seen their ratings, and they're all uh, up there. I think I have. Um, let me see what have they made. Just go to Wikipedia. Really They've quick. made something called Killer Killer. I know, and there's something like. I think it's called Little Witch Academy. Um, okay. Uh, okay, I'm looking here. Oh, they made a Star Wars thing. Star Wars Visions, I think it's called. Original Star Wars Visions is original net animation, apparently. Mm. So I don't. I never saw the Little Witch stuff, but I do see a bunch of that here. Um, space Battle Kill a Kill is like their main thing. I only watched a few episodes of that. It wasn't for me, but a lot of people liked it. Yeah. Um Darling in the Franks, I did okay, they did that. That's actually really good. I watched mm-hmm. most of that. I mean, I still that's a lot more like traditional anime stuff. Mm-hmm. Um to me, uh I guess I'm in this phase, not I guess I am in this phase of my entertainment in general, whether it's movies, shows, board games, video games. Like I don't just want the same old thing over and over. Like broadly speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, I see a show and it's just like, well, this this seems to be the same theme and setting and sort of trope archetype sort of characters I've seen and, you know, before, maybe even enjoyed before, but it's like, well, I want something different. Yeah. You know, I want something more, a little more unique, do something to stand out or it doesn't have to be some big subversion of the genre or the story or something, just like do something a little different. And that's why I think I really enjoyed edge runners because it did something a little different, not mm. like the most unique show in the world, but it wasn't the most obvious show in the world. Oh, I'll agree um, with that, definitely. You know, and that's why I, I I was basically, like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know where the show would go next, really, at any given point, other than a few obvious, like, clues on, like, people going psycho, for example. Like, that was probably the most obvious thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I was, like, really pleasantly surprised or even shocked or, you know, like, oh, great, that happened. Or, oh, man, that happened. Like, mm-hmm. I usually don't experience that in a show or movie um, in most mm-hmm. cases. So... I mean, knowing cyberpunk, I honestly did have an expectation pretty early on. Like, everyone I see is going to die. I mean, <laughs> not everyone did, but most did. So <laughs> I guess That's it wasn't true. far off. <laughs> it went far off. Um, I think it's since I put such a hold on the game and sort of everything in the background for like the last year and a half, I hadn't really been thinking about it. Mm. Uh, you actively play the tabletop. Is that right? I can't remember. Well, I don't like have a regular i have played it and i have. will take chances to do it but it's not a regular occurrence or anything right um yeah right but i you regularly do more... D, but i i yeah 
it's been a while since I've had the chance to play cyber or any cyberpunk game yet. Yeah, I wish they would have rules for a 2077 tabletop version. <laughs> I want yeah, all I mean, the... Red came out at the same time as 2077 or around the same time, which takes place right. in 2045. Um, but I I feel like I've heard that they are doing another version of the tabletop. But I cannot remember anything about it, so I might just have like misremembered right. and made that up. But yeah, I, I yeah. hope they would just because, you know, it's more cooler tech. You know, especially for the net runners and everything, they don't have to go uh, to like local terminals and have all this extra gear. It's just basically all in them implanted, mm. you know, up front and stuff like that. Mm. Well, I mean, the, the one of the beauties of tabletop games is that they are open to, you know, referees ruling whatever you decide. Goes. Right, so right. You, you can make that happen if you want. Yeah. Yeah. The I mean, I got so, book, of course, yeah. has expectations and, you know, the balance is sure. held around something, but. No, uh, I got so inspired. Um, I'm trying to rustle up uh, Casper, Ted, and Lily to do a cyberpunk D&D campaign at some point. A red campaign. Mm. Red 2077 if it was available, but right. uh, it isn't. We'll see. We'll see. Lily's, Lily doesn't have the time at the moment, so she's mm-hmm. off being deployed or busy with army stuff. But mm-hmm. She really likes the game as well. I don't think she's seen the show yet, but it's on her to-do list. Um, I can't remember. I think Ted hadn't seen it or has no particular affiliation with any of the cyberpunk stuff, but he likes D&D a lot. Um, he had played the game, hadn't he? The 2077? Or am I misremembering? I don't think so, but I guess we'll have to... Maybe we'll it's just because he asked about GeForce Now at some point and we talked about it. He I don't did, know. and you were showing it off on like your iPad, and it's come up like more than once. Um, but yeah, he's a big D&D guy, but I think typically you're more you know, medieval or fantasy type D&D on average. But hmm. from what I understand, he plays a bunch of active campaigns like online or by email and all this other stuff. Hmm. Um, and I assume a bunch in person when he was younger. But anyway, we'll see if that happens. Um, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never DM'd or refereed, um, as they say in Cyberpunk. But, hmm. um, you know, we'll see. We'll see, A, if it ever happens, and B, how well it goes hmm. at all. <laughs> But uh, I love the setting enough that I hope so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it could be fun. So, yeah. You know, my my goal would be something shorter. Like, mm. I have this idea. Like, this, uh, we'll see if this makes any sense. But, like, you know, um, your biggest enemy is typically scheduling and time. So, rather than trying to tell some long-form campaign, not some uh, dark future dice, multi-season epic thing, which is cool if you can do it, because then you have this whole narrative and your characters keep developing. But... Um, it, I don't know, something that could take maybe four or five sessions or something or three to yeah, five, like just get started, get some hooks, maybe, uh, dump a lot of like character upgrades into every session. So you get to have like cool fun with your characters rather than it being sort of slow drips, which is typical of longer campaigns. Um, just kind of let characters maybe go wild or, um, my idea was again, I don't know if this makes sense. I might have to. Like they have like a 10 mission special, like, what is it? I don't know. Tales of the street or something like pre-built stories you can follow. I mean, you could do that, but my idea was more like, again, something edge runnery. You're a crew and you can pick your missions. Here are some missions. What do you want to go do? You know? I mean, they're um, so total tangent we're on now, but in my in-person D and D games, I go to, um, we have a main campaign that we're doing last time. Uh, a lot of people were like, shit, I can't come pretty last minute. 
So what wound up happening is that our DM, our dungeon master, our game master, whatever you want to call it, um, he's got a whole bunch of one-shot adventures that he's pre-prepared in case we wound up in situations like that. Uh. And all of us, instead of, like, we have our main characters, but we also have backup characters that level up alongside our main characters. And these stories take place in the same world, but in different areas. So he spreads out on the table, like, essentially like a bunch of images, some hand or whatever, but some just images. And just goes, what looks interesting? Because there's a one-shot he's built around uh, behind each of them. And in the middle of the table, he also just had a book. And he says, so we can do this one, this one, this one, title them all. (laughs) Or we can see what's in the book. Obviously, everyone's (laughs) like, we'll see what's in the book. And it turns out the book is based on just loose notes and improvisation. Right. Um, We go on this like complete side uh, show one shot adventure. That's just one session until everyone can be back for schedule. And it all takes because it all takes place in the same world, just very far away. Everything that th- happens in those one shots are then canon in our main game, and that's kind of oh, that's really that cool. That's thing. really cool. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, basically, we or we need even start out with like a one shot or a one shot that's done in two or three parts or whatever that makes sense. Yeah, you can um, definitely just, do that. Just smaller, you know, mm-hmm. narratives. That, but yeah, ideally, maybe building to something that is more connected or at least referenced or mm-hmm. whatever, um, yeah. or has some sort of domino effect in another story or something. Um, could be could be fun but what uh, i've listened to a few different shows now on cyberpunk and other things um and really i would have to reference dark future dice as my favorite style i think again we are on a tangent here um but i think he has a really good style where he does a good job of setting the scene and then prompting the characters like giving them some idea of guidance but then ultimately being pretty open-ended yes um and i think that's a really nice balance of like guidance and freedom Mm-hmm. which I think is ideal because I've listened to some other shows where the DM is just completely taken over. The characters barely say anything. He's like describing all these actions and feelings of the characters. It's like, ah. you're the DM, not the character. This is weird. Like, why are you describing all this? And like, you do this and you do that and you say this and you say that. And it's like a little, a little strange to me. Or then yeah. the players had sort of no idea how to play. They're like, well, I just do this whole sequence of things. It's like, well, wait, you got to go back and like roll for this one and that one and see if you can do this. And it get, it gets messy. So yeah, ideally um, the DM or referee should embody the world and let the players be the players within it. Um, yeah. But I think if you're interested in potentially refereeing, um, if you've listened to the dice sections that Dark Future Dice do, which is like at the end of a book, which is like book, a season. Right? Yeah. Um, they do a dissection where they basically just answer a bunch of questions that might have come up from the audience throughout that. And a lot right. of the time, Titus will go into his thoughts while refereeing and also the players, like, what did you think during this right, and stuff right. like that, which can give a nice little behind the scenes on, on how they do all of that stuff and what bits are improvised versus what's predetermined. Right. Which is fun. Like I did catch, I think, their book one mm-hmm. ver- uh, version of that, not their book two, and now they're on to, like, book three or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, book three cool. is already finished, and the whole oh, wow. main saga with the, the characters, uh, DP and Barb, is over. They're done. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, yeah. I didn't like those players. I like the characters, not the players. I don't think they were gamery enough, which ended up annoying me. Um, I think people like you and Ted and Lily would be far more, like, gamery because you are (laughs) Mm. 
no no shade. It's it, Dark Future Dice is a phenomenal show and certainly far better than anything I could ever come up with. Mm. Um, I find it very entertaining, but mostly to me, Titus carries the show. I have a lot of problems with the people playing Barb and TP. They get a little too, um, I guess, a little too open-ended for me. They just sort of run off into some random thing. And Titus <laughs> keeps like trying to steer them back to like the obvious story stuff they need to like advance and they're just like spinning their rears in some corner of the world ultimately that is sort of like you could say the point or possibility of D, but sometimes they're like so inane and brain dead like it makes me frustrated like i don't take notes but i listen to the show and i just prompt something like wait what is this thing and i'm like in my car or something and i'll just like shout it at them like hello even i know this and i'm just a listener how do you not know it as like the players you know, I mean, it's worth keeping in mind that sometimes it takes a while between episodes where you might hear them back to back and stuff like that. That's fair um, also. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I personally love Slo- uh, Sloan and Lindsay, uh, the players in the game. Um, but, you know. Um, I mean, their personalities are fantastic. They're hmm. funny. They're creative. They end up in like hilarious combat or non-combat situations all the time as a result of their sort of zaniness. They have a good back and forth partnership where sometimes one takes the lead, one steps back. Sometimes they scold each other. Like it's, it's extremely entertaining. There's just occasional moments where like progress is needed and they like, they hit a complete wall (laughs) and I get a little frustrated listening. That's all. Um, As as far as I've felt with the show, I always feel like those moments are, you know, also partially because they feel like they're driving a podcast and a comedy show and well not exclusively comedy obviously there's you know deep narrative behind things as well but the part part of it is comedic fun while having a good time and i feel like those moments are always just hilarious to me but i don't know it's they are are pretty funny yeah I, i i probably for me what i would be looking for is like that could be toned down by like 10 percent five or 10 percent and lean a little more like Keep a lot of that because, again, much like Edge Runners, it's violent and it's serious, but it's also like quite a fair amount of humor in the show mm-hmm. or in the in the in the Netflix show, um, and even in the video game and probably the tabletop. Um, but yeah, that's all personal preference, and ultimately the players. I I wouldn't be frustrated by it as like a GM. I think I'm frustrated by it as like a consumer listener because mm-hmm. I'm just there to be entertained and I want to hear the next part of the story, and then players are basically stopping that from happening. And then I'm like, well, well, what's next? What's next? You know, mostly because the story is so interesting. The characters are interesting. I'm like, well, I want more. I want more. That's just my impatience. Sure. But now I really am on a tangent. So you can probably wrap it up there. <laughs> We're like seven tangents deep. <laughs> yeah. Cyberpunk tangents. Um, anyway, Cyberpunk's a good time. Uh, it's a good time for Cyberpunk and CD Projekt Red. It's a good time for the Mac and Silicon and uh, horror fans. And uh, we have no release dates on stuff like Grid and uh, No Man's Sky, but presumably, quote unquote, soon, December, January, I would suspect they would drop. Don't know, but uh, like, surely soon. I imagine it's soon now that Resident Evil Village is out, now that Mac OS Ventura is out, which, you know, Metal FX uh, upscaling was a big thing, especially when they showed a No Man's Sky. Um, There is a slim chance, I think, that one of them will be postponed until new Macs arrive, and it'll be like mm. new Macs plus game release. Um, but one of them is right. probably going to come before that, and then just the other one might be pushed until that, which is, I'm guessing, like February, March time. 
Right, because there were some rumors they might have been releasing November, December. Then other rumors they were delayed till again that February, March range. The next sort of M2 versions of IMAX or maybe a Mac Pro or something. Hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see, but near future for sure, either later this year, or early next year for sure. We'll, yes. we'll see more. I, I definitely hardware, more goodness. Yep. Um, but it's uh, well, we wouldn't be over if I didn't diverge into weird RPG stuff, <laughs> but. Hopefully that was entertaining. So thanks for uh, being here, Casper, to have this fun discussion. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.